It's time for Tom Girl with JJ Jurgens. A different breed. Hey everybody, I'm JJ and welcome to Tom Girl, where we talk all things sports, entertainment, fashion, and adventure. Tonight's guest is a former boxer, Olympic-level coach, trainer, the CEO of Boxing and Barbells, owner of the stables, and has been featured on shows such as Fear Factor, Extra, The Doctors, Fit Too Fat Too Fit, and founder of the Too Pretty brand. I can't wait to hear from <laughs> Carrie Williams. <laughs> hey, Carrie. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Your resume, I mean, just so much. I am so fascinated by your story and all you've done. It's a lot. I know. (laughs) What's going on here? And I have so much more to do. Yeah, that's (laughs) awesome. Well, let's get started. I want to start out talking about your whole, the boxing experience, because I was reading and you said in there that you did things backwards. Explain how you got going on this whole journey. So I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I was kind of an entrepreneur all my life. I mean, I'd be eight years old and I'd pick, you know, uh, vegetables out of my grandma's garden and try to sell them on the the street, on the roadside. I would be at the Grateful Dead concert on the outside selling bandages. Bandanas, bandana halter tops that I made. So it was always my spirit to kind of be my own boss. Uh, so when I graduated from college, I actually have an environmental science degree. Uh, but of course, that's what I do. Uh, <laughs> so after that, I worked for the government for a little while and I figured out that I didn't like to work in a cubicle. And I was trying to figure out what did I want to do. And at the time, I had a friend in, in uh, high school that had box that was boxing professionally and would always say, oh, there's no gyms where people can go and learn how to box if they're not fighters. So basically, if you went to a gym, a boxing gym, you would have to want to be a fighter or they wouldn't let you in the door. Hmm. Uh, And I thought, wow, maybe I could open a gym where everybody could come in, learn how to box. You know, you don't have to be a fighter. And that was kind of my aha moment. Um, But the funny part is that I was never athletic growing up. Uh, I mean, not at all. I wasn't into fitness or anything. I was a little bookworm, you know, just into academics. That was it. So that was a big leap of faith. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so I decided, well, I'm going to open this gym. And I wrote a business plan. I actually got the book Business Plan for Dummies because the Internet really wasn't something that uh, was really usable yet. I mean, it was there, yeah. but it wasn't like user friendly like it is now. Like now we there's, can find everything. Yeah, yeah, there's no Google back then. This was back in 97. And I wrote a business plan and I went to a bank and I pitched, you know, what I wanted to do. And I got an SBA loan, which was crazy because I didn't have any collateral. Um, I didn't have any money at all. And the the loan officer said, you know, I'm going to give you a feel good loan because I feel really good about what you're doing. And I feel really good about you paying the bank back. (laughs) You must have a great business plan then, too. (laughs) I put a lot of time and energy into it. And the way I presented it, I was the most optimistic person you could possibly imagine in front of him. (laughs) And I sold him on this. So he was sold. And um, so then here I am. I have $40,000 and I'm opening my first gym. I'm learning about, you know, lease agreements and tenant improvements. And it was a lot. It was a lot of learning on my own. Um, 
you know, again, there's you know, no business degree and I don't come from a business background as far as family is concerned. So it was this whole new adventure for me. Good for you. Just <laughs> taking charge and doing that, though. I mean, do you remember ha- having like ups and downs in that or being scared or were you just like, oh, I'm going for this and making this happen? <laughs> you know what? I never was fearful, um, which is great. I think it's because of the way my father raised me, but I wasn't ever scared. I was really more so excited mm-hmm. and just very determined to make it happen because, of course, you know, here I am. You know, I don't know anything about boxing, not really anything about fitness and and nothing about business. And so most people pretty much said I would fail. Um, people close to me even. You know, there was never anybody that was like, yeah, go, Carrie. This is awesome. You're going to do it. I didn't get any of hmm. that. and um, But I'm fueled by that. So it's, you know, the naysayers fuel my fire. Mm-hmm. So thank you. <laughs> right. They pushed you into some greatness. <laughs> so how did, how did it grow from there once you started this first one? So it started to get really busy, and um, the head trainer that I had on uh, was like, hey, you need to come and help me train people on the floor. We're way too busy um, unless you want to hire another trainer. And to me, I was like, no, I'm just going to do it myself. You know, I'm going to do the business part, and you teach me how to be a trainer. I'll do that too. So then I started to be a boxing coach, and... Uh, then we had a competitive boxing team all of a sudden and, you know, I have these teenage kids and they're fighting and I'm in their corner telling them what to do. Mm. And I had no idea what it was like to box in the boxing ring. And that made me feel kind of like a hypocrite, really. Mm-hmm. And I decided I wanted to fight. <laughs> so then how did you go to change now to be the competitor? Uh, basically I decided that that's what I wanted to do. And I started training, I started training with my own boxing team, uh, you know, a bunch of teenagers, mostly boys, and they would just run circles around me. Um, at that time I opened the gym when I was 26 and then it was about three years after that. So I was almost 30 when I started to train to be a fighter. Um, and at the same time I had, um, opened another boxing gym. So I was on my second location at that point. So there was a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I realized really quickly that competing in boxing (laughs) is a lot harder than anything else that I've ever done. (laughs) Where did you compete? Uh, So I would compete wherever I could find fights um, because back then there weren't a lot of women boxing um, and you're in a weight class. I boxed at 125 um, and right now I weigh about 140. So it's it's very interesting how, you know, your weight is so different. Like you people might think you look the same, but your weight is so much lighter when you're boxing. Uh, But it was always to find, you know, the same weight class and hopefully the same experience, um, you know, like novice. But a lot of times I'd have to box in tournaments, um, you know, up in Oregon or wherever I'd have to go to box um, just to find fights. Mm-hmm. And then you ended up being an Olympic level trainer. Yes. About that. So I started to um, basically go to the Olympic Training Center to improve on my credentials. So I would go and help with the, the team and I would train a lot of the trainers or a lot of the uh, fighters that we were training were going to national tournaments. And so just being uh, in that, you know, kind of in that world and getting that experience as a coach, as an elite level coach, um, helped me to kind of grow in that arena. And so going to the Olympic Training Center, I was able to then get certified for a level 
three and then a level four and which is an Olympic level coach. Uh, so yeah, it just kind of progressively mm-hmm. happened um, with experience of being in the corner for the fighters, but then also going to the training center. Yeah, I'm sure that's great for you now, after all that, then to have the experience both like in the ring as the fighter <laughs> and the other side as the business person, the business mind. Yes. Yeah, yeah to have it all together, it mm-hmm. really helps a lot. What was one of your like most memorable moments as a fighter? Like, is <laughs> <laughs> any good stories oh, there? Oh, gosh. <laughs> or a good match um, or... I, you know, I, it's probably not good, but I, most memorable was when I got a concussion in a tournament and it made me really think about if it was something I wanted to do anymore. Uh, it was, you know, usually like when you're boxing, you don't feel a lot of pain when you're in the ring because your adrenaline is so high, mm-hmm. but I actually felt pain. And so it really scared me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I had a concussion for a couple of weeks and um, it just, yeah, it definitely made me question if that was what I wanted to be doing. And then six months later, I was fired up like, oh, okay, I'm, I really need to work on how not to get hit with that right hand. And so I was more fired up at that point to get better at it. Mm-hmm. But it took a lot longer than I anticipated to get my head straight again. How do you feel having have had that experience now that they've started to kind of sort of change the rules a bit in, in boxing and like football to protect the athletes a little bit more from concussions. Yeah, definitely. So when I was boxing, the women wore smaller gloves. And then probably like five years after that, or a couple of years after I stopped competing, then they changed the size of gloves to another two ounces added on. So they were larger gloves because it, you know, it was dangerous. Um, And it's, you know, I know every sport is dangerous, but yeah, definitely football is really up there with boxing. You know, they're they're banging their heads against each other constantly. And yeah, so the safety is really important. The amateur boxing is such a beautiful sport. There's so much strategy and it's like playing chess. Uh, so there's not you're not getting like a lot of the knockouts that you'll see in the professional rankings. And also you're wearing a headgear um, where in the pros you don't. So there's definitely a lot more safety involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's nice to see that that continues on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you nowadays, are you getting in the ring at all? Oh, no, no. I love that behind, huh? <laughs> yeah, I love that behind. You know, it came to a point where I, I thought, well, Am I going to pursue boxing as a career or am I going to pursue my my business as a career? You know, mm-hmm. and you go, well, I have, okay, now I have three locations and I have 10 employees and they all rely on me and all of my members rely on me. And, and you know, you figure it out pretty, pretty easily and pretty quickly mm-hmm. what direction you should go. And especially you don't really make any money boxing. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> You made a wise choice. <laughs> right. <laughs> so let's talk about the business now because now you also are training people in other cities and, um, you know, have expanded your business. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So uh, in all the years of coaching people, I've figured out a lot of different ways to do it the most efficient way. So teaching somebody how to throw a hook, for instance. And so learning how to do everything more efficiently and 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 allowing people to learn quicker. Um, that way they, you know, say they could throw a one-two, maybe they learn it properly within a week, whereas they could go somewhere else and they it could take them a few months because they never really learned from the floor up properly how to do it. So being able to do that has allowed me to then take what I know and to train trainers. So now I certify trainers um, as boxing coaches and we have a boxing and barbells program, which mm-hmm. is a certification. It's a class format. So, you know, your big box gyms can have it in their group fitness uh, classes, but also 
we have a lot of just boxing gyms, um, single owner, you know, studio gyms, just personal trainers or whoever that want to take that boxing knowledge and take it to their members and their clients. So tell me more about what if I were to go join one of these or go into one of these clubs, what I what you would put me through or what I could what I could learn. <laughs> well, the the program is very authentic to the sport uh, because it's group fitness. A lot of people kind of go, oh, well, it's probably like Tybo or something. But what is really important to me in my heart is that I stay as authentic to the sport as possible because it gets very watered down. And especially nowadays, boxing so popular in the fitness industry um, that it really doesn't. It's kind of like they're not real to the sport anymore. So I really work on the combinations that are being taught in the class to be very realistic to if you were in the boxing ring boxing and then incorporating weight training with it. So we go, you know, we have a round of boxing and then we do weight training and back and forth and back and forth. But throughout the workout, you're building up that particular combination so that at the end of the workout, you've nailed it. You know, Mm -hmm. so you're like, yeah, I got that combo. And, you know, that just makes you feel really good. You know, it's an empowering workout. Nonetheless, you're, you know, even if you're shadow boxing, you're not actually hitting something. It's very empowering to throw a punch. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you learn this combo and you've got it. And uh, it just feels really good. Mm -hmm. What are some of the physical benefits to this workout? Oh, boy. Uh, well, the boxing and barbell. So boxing, of course, is um, it's anaerobic, anaerobic. Um, so, you know, everything, your lung capacity, um, it's great for your heart, obviously, all those things. Adding in the weight training, we all need to start lifting weights more, especially us mm-hmm. as women. You know, we've yes. been so scared of weight training and don't go in the weight room, you know, because we don't know what to do. Uh, it's just so important to keep everything in line, to keep those, you know, like our posture, right? Mm-hmm everything. So adding that weight training in is helping really to build up that strength and to get the posture right, get your body feeling good. So all of that coming into play. And then it's very cognitive. You know, that's the other thing I don't think that a lot of people think of that boxing is really cognitive. So you're using your mind the whole time. You know, a lot of people get older and they do crosswords. Um, mm-hmm. But boxing is just the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can get the same thing out of it. Because you're remembering like the patterns and the... Yeah, and you, and also footwork. just the, the mind-body connection. Um, they have a, a great program for Parkinson's patients that is a boxing program. And I've seen it firsthand. I've seen patients walk into a gym, can barely walk, talk, shaking. They do the workout and they leave and they walk out of there just like they are not like they have no symptoms whatsoever. And it's all about really connecting the mind and the body and making your body do something. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Oh, have fun. I want to go take a workout boxing. <laughs> you have to come. Yeah, I sure will. Well, let's talk about you've been on numerous TV shows and magazine covers because of your own fitness. So let's tell me about some of those. You know, I always like to say I've I've been in magazines or on covers because of what I do and not because of my appearance. And I think that's really important to drive home because nobody was going to reach out and go, oh, you're a model and I want you to be on the cover or I want you to be in this magazine because you're a pretty girl. It was because of what I had accomplished or what I was doing at the time. And I think that's just a really important message for all of our young girls. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you look like. I want to know what are you doing. And uh, so I feel really fortunate and I feel... um, I feel like that's like my duty, you know, to mm-hmm. really spread that message, uh, which is the never too pretty brand, which mm-hmm. is, you know, you're Love never it. too pretty to do anything. It's, you know, it's Tom girl. It's all of that. You know, you being raised by my father was one of the best things that ever happened to me. And 
I am so thankful that he raised me as his child and not as his little girl. Mm. And that had a profound impact on my life and as as I am a woman um, and as I am an adult. So uh, so yeah, that, mm-hmm. that definitely uh, drives home to me. Yeah, I love that when I read those things about you and your, and your story. So your mom passed away at, at a young age at 33. Yes. And fe- tell me about the obligation you felt, not obligation, but what you felt and that made your purpose to be after that. You know, yeah, when I hit 33, I it really took me back. Like, wow, my mom was this young when she passed away. And I I kept kind of reflecting, like, what was my mom's purpose here? Because we all have some sort of a purpose. And she didn't really hold a job. She was an alcoholic. You know, just like a really lot of, a lot of bad things had happened to her when she was younger that I found out later in life. Um, and I thought, well, if her purpose was to bring me into this world— then I better do something with this life, and I better make an impact. And it, it just kind of struck me. And so now it's, it's, that's what it is, you know. I'm here because somebody put me here, and if that was her purpose, then damn it, I better do something mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. it. <laughs> well, and you started a movement with the Never Too Pretty and the hashtag. Talk about how that kind of evolved into such a such a great big message for girls. Yeah, you know, it it started from my boxing, and you know, I would get in the boxing ring, and and I would come out, and they I'd take my headgear off. People thought that I I was actually a guy boxing, which in boxing this is kind of a compliment. But I take my headgear off, and then they go, "Whoa!" Like I didn't know you were a girl, and they're like, "Why are you box? Like you're gonna mess up your face, mess up your pretty face. Why are you even in the ring?" And um, you know, and they think it's a compliment, right? But you think to yourself, you know, why, why does that, dip, like, why does it matter what I look like? Does that make me any less of a fighter? Does that mean that I can't be a strong fighter or I can't be a talented fighter? And that, w- that really was what they, they thought. If I would have just walked in the gym, no headgear, and, and they just saw me walk in the gym, they would think that I was not capable at all of mm-hmm. being a good boxer. Uh, so the brand really meant, like, don't, don't think about your appearance and don't, don't be hindered by it. And it's kind of a weird thing, but People will look at um, a girl, and the word pretty means a lot of different things, but to me it means feminine. And that mm-hmm. means that, you know, when, when you're a little girl and say you're walking with your, your parent or parents and that person comes up and goes, oh, my gosh, she's so pretty, you know, and, yeah. and all little girls hear that. And it's because you're, you know, you're dressed in pink or, you know, you got curls in your hair or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get used to hearing that term. And it just really means feminine. But it doesn't mean you can't be a badass. You know, it doesn't mean that you can't step out and do what anybody and everybody else is doing. It doesn't mean that you're in the gender box. Mm-hmm. And so that really is why I started the brand. And I will tell you what, I didn't really have any female role models um, I, I mean, I went into boxing, it, you know, in my 20s, but even before that, there was, I did, didn't really hang out with a lot of girls. I was just going to school or whatever, and I was raised by my dad, so I didn't have a lot of female influence. So having started the brand and then finding all of these amazing women and this, I mean, just the community, the female community, it's it it's really makes me speechless because... Mm-hmm. The love and the support that I felt from everybody, it's, 
gets me right yeah. here. I mean, it really, really does. And it's something that I had never experienced before. I didn't know it existed. You know, I had the the jealous look. My dad said, oh, those girls are just jealous of you because they're just, you know, trying to beat you up because they're jealous. So I, that's all I knew. And then coming into mm-hmm. a female community of support yeah. and love and, oh, it was just, it's, Ah, yeah. <laughs> I can't say enough about it. Yeah, I think it is hard. I think it's too bad. It's something that, you know, as girls growing up, girls can be so mean to other girls. And there is that competitive nature or as you get older too, like that cattiness and things. So yeah. I think it is It's when you find that group that, you know, is, is your tribe and you realize then there are all these other women out there like you and that totally relate to your story and what you're saying and doing. And, you know, it feels so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you went on a TV show to pit for to pitch this brand. Yes. Yeah. I did. I did. Uh, so I went on a show called um, Billion Dollar Buyer, and um, it was basically where they would buy your product if they really liked it. Then they would do a big sale or a big buy, right? Uh, so that was quite an experience. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get um, a buy, a big buy from the billionaire. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> But, you know, the thing is that the, the products were going into um, casinos uh, and some resorts, which is a real challenge for athletic wear because usually people who are out at the casinos gambling and whatnot, um, they're not usually there to work out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's a few other things going uh, on. Know. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, you know, they it obviously was challenging for them to, mm-hmm. to sell everything. Um, and it's been a challenge, I mean, all the way through, through the with the brand. I don't really look at the brand as being a business, like a money-making business. I feel like it's just more of... It's more of a movement and it's more mm-hmm. of a community than anything. So it's not really, it's not something that pays my bills mm-hmm. at all, uh, but it's still very, very yeah. important to me. And it's important to a lot of young girls and women um, that relate to the brand. Uh, but yeah, it's. Yeah, for sure. And they're super cute <laughs> shirts and spice shirts and things. But a great extension of you and your brand and what your whole story is about. Yeah. For sure. So focusing more back to your so business. So the boxing and, bar- and barbells is primarily your focus. Right yes, now. absolutely. And um, the the all-encompassing company is B&B Method, which basically is you have boxing and barbells, which is a formatted class, which we were talking about boxing and lifting weights. And then um, this coming year, early 2020, we'll be boxing in bands and then boxing in boxes, which is like the steps. So I have these new formats that mm-hmm. I'm rolling out in the beginning of the year. But everything is just boxing you know, centric. Everything is boxing based and mm-hmm. then workouts that go along with that. Um, but again, staying very true to the sport. So yeah, that's my baby right now. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, growing that across the globe uh, would be a dream. I, I love training trainers. Um, I love training in general. I love being a teacher. But the thing is to take all of my 20 years of knowledge in the sport and in the industry and be able to pass it along to other trainers so they can pass it along um, exponentially, you know, I feel like mm-hmm. that's, you know, what needs to be done so that everybody can be touched by this beautiful sport that mm-hmm. we call the sweet science. <laughs> Why is it called the sweet science? It's so scientific. <laughs> it really is. I mean, it's just so strategic. And um, I really, I think that's why it's called that. 
It's just you're in there and you're, you know, someone throws a jab and you're trying to figure out, you know, how fast is it coming? Mm-hmm. When are they throwing it? If I make a move, is it going to make them throw it? If I don't make a move, are they going to throw the right hand? It's just this constant strategy going on and you're always thinking. Constantly. I bet it's the best practice for um, something that I need to work on sometimes, being in the now. Being in the mm. present. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Because you can't, like, space off for a second while you're, <laughs> you're boxing like that. So true. <laughs> it's funny because a lot of the, the people that I've trained over the years, that's what they really love about it because nothing else will enter their brain in that 45 minutes to an hour that they're working out mm-hmm. because they have to think about everything that's going on right there in front of them. So that's a big, big draw to mm-hmm. a boxing workout because you have to be very, very present. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are some maybe some other things that you find people really enjoy about the workout? Uh, well, a lot of people say that they have worked out for years, but they've never sweat before. And then when they do boxing, they sweat. I find that really interesting. Uh, But I think because we have um, kind of this, the way of working out is you push and then you, it's like an anaerobic and then aerobic. Um, It's like interval Mm -hmm. training. Uh, it's like hit training. It's like, you know, hits are really popular now, but, mm-hmm. but boxers have been doing it forever. <laughs> you know, you do a flurry of punches and then you kind of go slow and then you do another flurry. So it definitely makes people sweat a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and the empowerment, you know, no matter what, you know, I always have uh, women tell me that all the time that they just feel so strong, mm-hmm. um, not that they're boxing and they love the challenge of getting it right. They love mm-hmm. the challenge of, you know, am I throwing that job properly or am I, you know, is my footwork right? Mm-hmm. So they really like that part of it. There's so many different things that are just so beautiful about the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they love watching boxing after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like, wait a minute. Now I can watch it and I know what's going <laughs> uh-huh, on. Uh-huh. <laughs> awesome. And I know it's not self-defense, but I'm sure there's also a little more of a kind of you having that badass feeling, knowing that, not that you want to think about getting attacked, but, you know, we all, we're in big cities. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you just, just having that strength and having that confidence that, you know, you have, you have that in there that somebody might not expect could come out of you. That is the most important thing that you get out of boxing. So like you said, it's not necessarily, okay, I'm doing this because I can go and whoop someone's ass kind of thing. It's because you feel so confident with yourself, you hold yourself a certain way, then far fewer people will mess with you. Mm-hmm. And that's really what happens. You know, you mm-hmm. hold your your chest out, you know. And that's the other thing as women, we're always like kind of taught to like roll our shoulders forward and cover our boobs, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> yep. but no, you know, we need to be very proud and very present and very strong and carry ourselves that way because mm-hmm. that is our self-defense, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just yeah. like in the animal world and, you know, the the, the hair goes up or the, <laughs> the feathers go up or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so it definitely makes um, makes women feel a lot more confident, and so mm-hmm. they carry themselves that way. And yeah, nobody mm-hmm. messes with them. <laughs> <laughs> How has that maybe confidence and attitude kind of bled into you being the CEO and taking charge of this this business in your life? You know, I I think that was backwards a little bit for me. Um, also, I feel like I don't know. I feel like boxing found me. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I feel like I'm already that person. Um, again, thank thank you, Father, for that. <laughs> um, but I think innately a lot of times we're born with something inside of us. You know, our souls are, are what they are. Um, and then we're taught, you know, of course. So it, it kind of all blends together. But I think that that, that strong kind of I can do anything little attitude 
um, kind of had it since Same I was there. born. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Love it. What are some lessons then you've learned now building this business? Things you're like, oh, I wish I would have known that before or tips that you could give to people who are creating their own business. <sighs> you know, one of the things that always sticks out to me when I opened my first gym, um, well, anytime you open a business and you have a business license, everybody in their mother that's in marketing and advertising and whoever, they all of a sudden have your phone number and your email. (laughs) And so they really try to sell you on a lot of things you don't need. And I think that's like one of the biggest lessons I would like to give to any, you know, startup, you know, uh, entrepreneur starting out, small business owner, whatever. Don't pay all the money for things that you don't need um, because it puts a lot of people out of business really quickly because they say you know if you a lot of businesses fail obviously within the first five years if you can make it over the five-year hump okay cool (laughs) but um, that's one of the biggest lessons sometimes I wish that I still had those kind of rose-colored glasses on from when I opened my first gym because I didn't know anything Mm -hmm. and I was just excited about it and now you know, now I'm doing the B&B method and it's a whole new company. And so now I know how much work it's going to be and how long it's going to take. <laughs> yeah, you know what's coming. <laughs> I know what's coming. And I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't know. But it's great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, any other, like, you know, you, I guess you talked about you want to see it grow globally. What are some mm-hmm. other, like, goals or things that you have in mind? Well, uh, I know it's going to take time to get to the point where I want to be. I want to be, um, I want it to be like Zumba. I want, you know, obviously not dancing, but, you know, business model wise, I really want to be a name that, you know, everybody goes, oh yeah, B&B method. That's what I do at my gym, mm-hmm. you know, and it's cool and it's empowering and, and women are just like, just digging it and getting a lot out of it. I just, I really want that to spread as far and as wide as I possibly can and give my knowledge to all of the trainers that are training everybody. Just really get my knowledge out there. You know, that's really the biggest goal that I have right now. Mm-hmm. And you had worked in the past before. Was it with Everlast creating yeah. boxing and, and gyms? Yeah, and so I had a marketing and spokesperson agreement with Everlast some years ago, and um, I created a class called Shadow Box for 24-Hour Fitness. Um, but unfortunately they kind of took the class format and they added a bunch of dance moves to it and it didn't do very well because they already Mm -hmm. had turbo kick, you know, they already have certain classes that have a dance component. So I think a lot of people were like, well, this is another dancey box aerobics kind of thing. Um, so unfortunately it didn't, you know, go as well as I think Mm -hmm. everybody wanted it to. And which is why now I'm really adamant with what I'm doing now to not let that happen. You know, it's a boxing base. It's not dance base. There's no grapevines in it. There's no, <laughs> you know, it's it's just boxing and mm-hmm. weight training and, you know, whatever. So, uh, but it was a really great experience to to create that, you know, program and the format and working with Everlast and 24 Hour mm-hmm. Fitness. So it was, a, um, I learned a lot out of it. Um, in working with Everlast, I learned a lot about contracts and, uh, you know, just business in general. And also, don't give away your great ideas to companies that have a lot more money than you. <laughs> I bet a lot of people have had experiences with that oh, in their new businesses. Yes, yeah. I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you kind of keep it. You know, mom's the word until you're ready to rock and roll. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was that was great advice. What are little things, other things like that, or maybe some big hurdles that you had to overcome, or you know, even more challenges in your business? You know, uh, being a woman obviously is very challenging in, in business, and 
one thing that I don't really allow to happen is that it hinders how I deal with people or how I deal with business. Because a lot of people will go, oh, well, I'm treated this way because I'm a woman and they get very angry about it and they take it very um, uh, personal. And I don't let that happen. And I try to use it to my advantage as much as I mm-hmm. can. Mm-hmm. So I say, like, use your female to your advantage. Don't look at it as if, you know, it's something, it's a roadblock or it's going to make things harder for you. No. There are ways that it can make things easier for you and find those, you know, mm-hmm. feel your female power mm-hmm. and use it, mm-hmm. you know, with mm-hmm. your business. What are some things that you found really did help you in your business, either either skills or, you know, delegating or things like that that you're like, yes, this this is a key for me and this really works? Uh, attention to detail but not being perfect. So I think it's really important for a lot of business owners to understand that if you're always looking for perfection, you will never get to the next step mm-hmm. and you will fail. And, and I hate to say that because, you know, everyone goes, like, well, it has to be right. It has to be right. No, it doesn't. It has to be about 80 percent right before you launch <laughs> and then you figure it out, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, obviously you have all your ducks in a row. But if you wait for perfection, you'll never take the leap. You'll never right? jump. It is yeah. really crippling. So, yeah, just don't be perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I definitely can relate to that one. I always like to have everything. Like, you know, I, I had that with this first. Where it's like, no, I just need – sometimes you just got to get started. Like you said, you know, just do things and, and grow. Exactly. Exactly what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, something you also – is big to you is kind of is giving back and like you said helping you know young girls future generations and I know before you did you had a um, knocking out obesity tour mm-hmm. where you worked with um, students and yeah well, yeah through um, so when I was on the cover of uh, Muscle Fitness hers the editor at the time was a huge boxing fan which is. Again, why, you know, I got the cover um, and he wanted me to spearhead this project he was working on. Um, His name's Neil Bolton and he was the editor that would go on Good Morning America and he would do the whole Mm -hmm. men's fitness like this is the 25 fattest cities list. He actually created that. So he he was a creator in a lot of different things in the fitness industry and in the magazine world. And uh, when I was I was in men's fitness as well um, because he was the editor (laughs) and uh, he said, you know, I'm going to do this program and I'm going to call it knocking out obesity. But I want you to spearhead the boxing part of it. And I was like, yeah, I'm on board. Let's do it. And then he fell ill and a lot of other things had transpired for him. And, you know, a year went by and it just the the event never happened. The, The tour never happened. And I thought, you know what? I think I can do this on my own. I think I can just do the boxing part. And I just started reaching out to, I got the city, the fattest cities list. I picked 10 cities. And then I started reaching out to middle schools in those cities to see if they would let me come out to be their PE class for the day. So I'll come in, I'll teach the kids like a basic one, two, we'll do some conditioning stuff. We'll talk about nutrition. Uh, and I had schools that actually were like, cool, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, schools, some schools were like, no boxing, it's, no. <laughs> or they would ask if it cost them money. Mm-hmm. And what I did was I just tried to get as many sponsors as I could to pay for the the traveling and all that. And a lot of the hotels sponsored to give me free hotel rooms. Um, I got a rental car um, place to sponsor that, and they wrapped the vehicle. Basically, I drove across mm-hmm. the country and back. 
uh, for about 30 days and worked with about 7,000 middle school students. Wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, I want to talk about that because I think some people out there might be wondering how that they could do, you know, how to find funds for things like that. So you just wrote you wrote letters to get sponsors. Do you just cold call? How did you go about that? Well, you know what? It all came from the community that I already already built with my gym locations. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I was already doing charity events. I, I created something called um, Black Tie and Boxing. And so I did this event every year so that we could add funds to our um, our amateur boxing team because most of them didn't have money for training, for travel, for equipment and all of that. So every year I would do this big like gala. It was like a big, you know, everybody had to dress up. And in the community in the Sacramento area, uh, you know, Everybody would buy, you know, I would do it at a, like, a, say, the Sheraton, and we'd do it in the ballroom, and I would have amateur boxing in the middle, and then we would have dining and, and wine and whatever around on the outside. They're doing this all over now. This was a long time ago when I was doing this. <laughs> and um, so, and then we would um, get uh, auction items um, donated. Um, we had Muhammad Ali items. I mean, wow. you name it. And we would do an auction, and then we would raise money for um, all of the kids. And, and then sometimes we would you know, add to that. So we, you know, partially did like for the Komen Foundation. Um, so it started to grow. But so I had a little bit of, I would say experience, I kind of created my own experience. Mm-hmm. But just, you know, again, it was calling up all of those uh, community businesses and telling them what we were doing and see if they would do a little bit. Um, ads in the program, you know, that was a really big one. And it just, you know, again, I just learned how to do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I did the knocking out obesity, I would reach out to the same people, um, the people that bought tables instead of tickets to those events and was able to, you know, get enough funds to do the the traveling bit. And again, you know, the hotels, I would just call up all of the corporate offices of all the hotels and send them everything. Give me your email. Mm-hmm. Let me send you what I'm doing. This is the program. I was able to get Starbucks, uh, not Starbucks, I'm sorry, <laughs> Subway. Oh, they mm. sound so similar. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love Starbucks. So. Uh, so I was able to get Subway to be a sponsor. So every time I went to a school, they would do all the lunches oh. for the kids. I uh, see so it was a lot of legwork, you know, yeah, a lot yeah, of reaching like out, it. a lot of mm-hmm. hearing no's, a lot of no callbacks, no emails back. Mm-hmm. So I'm used to that. Um, so, you so you know, just kept charging. You just through. keep going yep. and keep going until you get a yes, <laughs> like the acting world out here. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> do you do that as well out here? No, do you no. pursue no, no. <laughs> but you were on like the doctors and some other shows, or when you were on those shows, was that giving trainer tips, boxing tips? What did you yeah, do? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it's mostly um, trainer tips and fitness tips. Um, and also, I was on a TV show called Fit to Fat to Fit, and I gained forty pounds, and then I lost it Um, and that was just kind of to relate to you know people that I was training that Mm -hmm. may be overweight and whatnot so that was quite an experience so when I was on the doctors we talked a lot about that and the experience of doing that to your body (laughs) how difficult was that it was really really hard yeah it was one of the hardest things I've done um, as far as losing the weight because I was older so it's you know I was already in my 40s it's like wow I thought that I could just lose this weight very easily you know, oh, yeah, I was a fighter. I know how to lose weight. And all of a sudden, I couldn't lose any weight. And it scared me. Mm-hmm. It really scared me. What was the time span that you had to gain it and then also to lose it? Four months to gain, four months to lose. So, yeah, I gained it. I gained it pretty easily, but I got to this one point where my blood pressure was 199 over 99. Which they were like, we cannot do a stress test on you because you will have a heart attack. Like, 
It was really, really bad because I was eating. The whole project was that you're supposed to eat really bad and you're not supposed to work out. So you can feel what the average person would feel not being healthy. Uh, So I had to like scale back the fast food and, you know, still proceed with gaining weight, but in a little bit more healthy way. So I wasn't having a stroke. (laughs) Yeah. Did you mainly just binge on the fast food? Yeah. A lot of Big Macs and fries and lots of sour cream. So like I became a real fan of sour cream. (laughs) (laughs) Cream probably in everything. Cream in your coffee. (laughs) It was just crazy. Lots of cheese, lots of mac and cheese Mm -hmm. and breakfast burritos, you know, donuts. All the things, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't craving pizza, though. A lot of people are like, how come we didn't eat pizza all the time? And for some reason, I wasn't craving pizza. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I definitely would go for that. Yeah. <laughs> Chips and guac, I'd be all the time. <laughs> Yum. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Well, wow. So many fascinating things. All right, so tell me how people can uh, get involved, how they can either go to your gyms or how they can go to your programs or become a trainer Absolutely. Uh, So I have the Stables Boxing Studio in Santa Monica. So if you Google the Stables Santa Monica, you'll find me there. Come and do one of the classes. Uh, And if you're a trainer um, or if you own a gym or whatever and you want the B&B method in your gym or just to train your clients, um, Boxing and Barbells is our website and our handles for everything. Um, The handle for the Instagram is Boxing in, just the letter in, Barbells. Uh, and then me, myself, Carrie Lee Williams, and people call me Carrie Lee, like that's my full <laughs> first name, but it's actually my first and my middle name, Carrie Lee Williams. <laughs> well, you are fantastic. I can't thank you enough for coming in tonight and taking the time to share about all this. Oh, I'm so thrilled, and I want one of your shirts, by the way. <laughs> you know what? I'm so mad because I had one for you, and I left it at home this oh, morning, okay. so I for sure coming to you, because I'm going to say the same thing to you, because okay. I want your gift to you, so we will do a total swap. Sweet. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us again this week. You can follow the show at Tom Girl TV on Instagram, and we're on Twitter and on Facebook. This has been great, Carrie, and we'll see you here again next week. Have a great one. Bye.